Happy New Year. I think, um, I think uh, as we come up on Christmas Day and Christmas Eve, we need a reminder that it's a Happy New Year. If you don't remember or you aren't aware, today is the fourth Sunday of Advent. And uh, the season of Advent, uh, if, you, if, you don't, if you don't follow the Christian year, the season of Advent kicks off the Christian calendar. And so on November 29th, which was uh, the, the fourth Sunday away, I guess, from Christmas, that began the Christian year. And while the, the dates on our calendars didn't change, uh, unfortunately, because who wants to see a new year come quickly, right? Um, it's still, for us Christians in the church, the body of Christ, it is a new year. We are in a new year, so I'm going to say it again. Happy New Year! That's what I'm looking for. It took you a moment, but you, but you, but you, but you, yes, yes, good. Um, so, and as we've been discussing, we've been talking about during this series, if there was ever a year, ever a year, ever um, a moment, a time to reset a new beginning, it is 2020. It would be this year. And no matter where you are on the spectrum of 2020, it cannot hurt to think about a fresh start, a refresh. And that's exactly what Advent, the season of Advent, gives us as we prepare for the coming of Christ. It's a new year, a fresh start. And so over the last few weeks, we've been talking about how we can make this a new year. Um, and so we talked about this being a new year of awakening, of awakening. For some of us, this whole year, 2020, has been one long wake-up call. You know, a lot of it, suddenly all of our routines, our ways of doing things, they were turned upside down, possibly completely taken away. And at least spiritually, we had to, you know, take our own responsibility for our walk with Jesus. Uh, make sure that we had uh, things in place, habits, spiritual disciplines in place that could keep us uh, formed in the faith and growing in the faith. Or perhaps this whole year has just like dulled your senses. You're like, I'm done, I'm checked out, no more of it, I, I can't feel anything. And so you are in need of a gigantic wake-up call. You need like a big old bucket of ice-cold water poured over your head while you're asleep kind of wake-up call. Uh, it's not pleasant, but sometimes that's what we need. So this new year can be a new year of awakening. We also talked about it being a new year of anticipation. Uh, in five days, we are going to celebrate Christ's first coming, that first Christmas morning. But in his coming, he also promised to return again. He promised to return, to make all things new, a new heaven, a new earth, uh, all of creation. And so are you waiting, anticipating his return? Not with fear, not, not, uh, with, uh, not scared of Christ returning but how are you actively uh, living out your faith in such a way that you are anticipating Christ's return, that you would be ready? This new year can be a new year of anticipation. Last week we talked about this being a new year of repentance. We looked at the story of Joseph learning about Mary's pregnancy uh, from an angel, and obviously we're going to get into the story of, of Mary's perspective on that in just a moment. But when Joseph found out that his, his betrothed was pregnant, 
he had in mind to quietly divorce her. Again, in his mind, this wasn't his child, and in his mind, she had been unfaithful to him. And this plan was the kindest option available to him. The other option was to expose her publicly uh, to shame and potentially uh, cause her to be stoned to death. So then Joseph is visited by an angel, an angel of the Lord, God's messenger. And this messenger tells Joseph that Mary's child is of God, and that he's to marry her, and that he's to raise this child that they're going to call Jesus as his own. And that's exactly what Joseph does. He repents. He turns from his plan, and he turns and follows God's plan. That is the definition of repentance. Yes, repentance means turning away from our sin, our destructive behaviors, the big sins that we all know and love to point out in other people. But repentance is at its core, is a turning around from the way we were going and turning towards God. It is realizing that our plans on the surface may seem good, just like Joseph. Joseph's plans seemed good. They were the kindest option available to him, in, at least in his mind. But they weren't God's plans. So we stop, we turn around, and we follow God. Where in your life do you need to repent? Where in your life do you need to cease those destructive behaviors and turn and follow God? What path are you on right now that seems good, but it's just not God's plan? We're called to repent. This will be a new year of repentance. And so we come to today, the fourth Sunday of Advent, and we read the story about Mary learning about her pregnancy. This is, is going to be a pregnancy that's not going to make biological sense, okay? But it will be one from the Lord. And this child will be the Son of God. And Mary's response is what I want us to focus on today. As I want to suggest that along with all that we've already talked about, I believe that this year, this new Christian year, can be a new year of faith. A new year of faith. Just as Mary responded to the angel's message with faith, we are to respond to God's calling on our life with faith. And faith is not simply just belief. We aren't to just simply believe that God exists. Hopefully you're here today because at the very least you believe that God exists. But here's the thing. The devil believes that as well. The devil, that's why he fights so hard, because he knows that God exists. So it's more than just belief. Faith is more than just belief. It's not all that's required. Faith is belief plus trust. Belief plus trust. It is a deep belief in God that no matter what God asks of us, what God requires of us, we trust him. No matter how, no matter how absurd it may sound, how illogical it may uh, be in our brains, when God calls, our response is faith. Our, re our response is trust. We believe, we have faith, just like Mary. I want you to hear again Mary's response to the news from the angel. Again, Mary is not married. She's a virgin. This biologically should not be happening. 
Yet the angel tells her that she is going to have a child. And not simply a child, but he's going to grow up to be the savior of the world. And after all that information, Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. I mean, I'm blown away by Mary's response. Here is this teenage girl, this teenage girl, from Nowheresville in Galilee in Israel. Unmarried, probably uneducated, learning that she is carrying a miracle from God inside of her, and that miracle will not only change the world, but will save the world. And her response is, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to be to me be fulfilled. That is faith. That is belief plus trust. That is, listen, I don't fully understand. <laughs> That's, I don't fully get it. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me, Lord. It's not logical, but I trust. I trust in the Lord. I trust in my God, so may it be to me, in me fulfilled. Listen, can anyone with absolute certainty say that if God came to us with an absurd word, crazy, illogical plan that, that doesn't make sense to us, that we could respond with the same amount of faith that Mary did? I don't know if I could, honestly. I don't know. And maybe we don't know, we won't ever know until that moment arrives. But perhaps that moment has already arrived. Maybe God has already been calling you into something and we've just been sort of placing it on the back burner because it just doesn't make any sense. Why, Lord? Why me? But this year, this new year could be a year of faith if we allow it. I don't know about you, but... I feel like we are just surrounded by bad news. Anybody with me? Amen, right? Bad news all the time. Maybe uh, 2020 has just been one of those years, but I think it really is before 2020, right? There's been bad news all the time. We've been surrounded by it. Um, our news focuses on the bad news rather than good news because the bad news gets more clicks, right? That gets more uh, attention. Our lovely political ads lately... <laughs> And we all go, yeah, have been heavily bent towards the negative. I don't know what anybody stands for, but I know what the other guy is like, apparently, according to the other person. Anyways, but it just seems like there's constant negativity that evades, invades everything that we breathe. Everything. It's hard to put into words. But it's just this repetition of bad news all the time. And I think, I believe, at least maybe, maybe it's just me, I think we're tired. I think we're exhausted. I think we're fatigued. We're almost in like survival mode. And I think sometimes that exhaustion, in that exhaustion, we lash out. We often lash out to those that are closest to us because they're available, right? I love you honey, but listen, I got to get this out, bam. We, we may not think like that, but that's how we operate. We lash out um, online. I mean, we try to, you know, we, we like to be keyboard warriors. 
for this side or that side, depending on whatever side we feel like needs defending. We lash out at God. Asking God, why? Why? And, and sometimes we just flat out turn our backs on him. What if instead in our fatigue, in our tiredness, in our survival mode, in our exhaustion, we just simply surrendered? We just said, listen, I'm not giving up, but I'm giving over. I'm giving it over to God. I can't control most of what I'm upset about, so I'm just going to surrender. It's a moment where I say, I trust you, Jesus. I put my faith in you, Jesus. I don't understand everything. It's not always logical to me, but I'm giving it over to you because I am flat out exhausted. I'm tired. Faith is belief plus trust. And part of that trust is giving over our frustrations and our tiredness and our plans and our control over to our maker, our father, our heavenly father. I can't help but think about all the examples throughout Scripture of people who, like Mary, who put their faith in God, who, who responded when God called them with the simple, here I am, Lord. May your word be fulfilled in me. I think of Abraham. You remember Abraham in Genesis? Um, God had instructed him to sacrifice his own son. Sounds familiar. Sounds like a precursor to something else we might read in the Gospels. His own son, Isaac, who he and Sarah had been waiting for for so long, were unable to conceive, and finally God had blessed them with Isaac. And now God is asking Abraham to sacrifice his very own son. That doesn't seem logical to me, right? Doesn't seem logical to our human brains. It seems absurd. Yet Abraham does what the Lord asked him to do. He, he gets all the supplies ready. He and Isaac are going up the mountain. Uh, he tells Isaac they're going to sacrifice. And Isaac's like... Uh, where's the lamb? Where's, where's the lamb? And Abraham turns to him and he says, the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. So they get up to the top of the mountain. mountain they, they, he sets everything up. And then he proceeds to place Isaac where the sacrifice is going to be. Goes all the way through the motion with the knife. And in the very moment he's ready to take Isaac's life, he hears the word of the Lord whisper through the, the bushes, Abraham. He turns and he says, here I am, Lord, here I am. And there in the thicket is a ram caught in the bushes by its horns. And he takes the ram, he sacrifices the ram. Here's this absurd, illogical plan. And Abraham simply says, the Lord will provide, here I am. He is, he's, he's heard the word that Mary heard, that my word will never fail. My word will never fail. I think about uh, Samuel who's uh, young, he's being mentored by Eli, um, and uh, he's in the middle of the night, and he wakes up because he hears somebody calling him, and he goes into Samuel, wakes Samuel up. Samuel didn't appreciate that. He's like, I'm not calling you. Go back to bed. Does this about two or three more times. Finally, Eli realizes it's the Lord. And he says, the next time you go to bed and you hear the Lord's voice, say, here I am, and that's exactly what he does. And the Lord transformed Samuel into an amazing prophet of the Lord. He anoints Saul as king. When Saul disobeys God, he goes and anoints David. We know David as the man after God's own heart, a precursor to Jesus. And then, of course, this morning we hear the story of Mary who hears this word, this illogical, absurd word from the Lord and, and responds with, here I am, Lord, 
uh, may it be fulfilled in me. But then we keep reading the Gospels, and we read about Jesus. And the night before Jesus was arrested, tried, beaten, and crucified on the cross, given his life for you and for me, he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. He's in agony, spiritual, physical agony. And he prays this prayer, said, Lord, may this cup of suffering pass over me. He's asking his heavenly father to remove the cross from him. But at the end of the prayer, what does he say? Not my will, but your will be done. May, may this word be fulfilled in me. Jesus ended with faith. He ended his prayer with faith, belief plus trust. Maybe he learned that prayer from his mother. May your word to me be fulfilled. You see this little girl from Nowheresville, uh, Galilee in Israel was showing all of Israel, God's chosen people, what it was like to respond to God's favor on their life. And today she is showing us, the church, the body of Christ, how we are to respond to God in faith. So let me ask you, where is God calling you? What word is God sending you today? It may seem crazy. It may seem absurd. It may seem illogical. You may have been hearing this word way before today. But again, you've put it on the back burner. You've tried to ignore it because it just can't be, Lord. It just seems too crazy. But at the same time, it might just be God. We can't ignore it. We can't dismiss it. We can run away. We can, we can run away. We can try to do that. Or we can have faith. We can respond in faith. Belief plus trust. We can be just like Mary. May your word in me be fulfilled. Listen, it doesn't matter how insignificant you may feel or how unqualified you may be. Listen, most of God's greatest servants didn't go to seminary, don't have a formal education. None of that matters. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter your status in life. Mary is proof. This little teenage unmarried girl from Nowheresville is proof that God can and will use anybody. We just have to respond in faith. Our choice is either to dismiss God or to follow God in faith. My prayer is that we would be just like Mary, willing to say to God, may it be, may it be, may your word be fulfilled in me. Remember, I love you. God loves you. Amen.